Founders face mentors and masters. I'm Captain Hoff, CEO of Founderspace, the leading global startup accelerator. I'm also author of the award-winning books, Make Elephants Fly, Surviving a Startup, and The Five Horses. I am here today with a special guest, Dr. Mark Goulston, Marshall Goldsmith 100 coach and author of the book, Just Listen, which has been translated into 28 languages and became a top book on listening in the world. Mark, welcome to the show. And can you begin by telling us a little about your background? Well, my background was as a psychiatrist focused on psychotherapy, meaning I, uh, I focused more on talk therapy than medication. I would refer patients when medication was indicated, I'd refer them out to psychopharmacologists. And what I learned was the power of listening. Uh, and what I also learned, because I was a suicide specialist, and for 25 years, none of my suicidal patients died by suicide. And I attribute it to something that I am now calling surgical empathy. And what surgical empathy is, is it's a way of listening into people and, and breaking their connections to counterproductive, destructive behaviors. So uh, hopefully none of your listeners, but I'm guessing some of your listeners have been suicidal in their life. It's that, uh, it's that common. And if you've been suicidal in your life, what happens is uh, uh, death is compassionate to hopelessness that won't go away. So you attach to that. And anyone who's been suicidal on more than a couple occasions, they put it in their back pocket. They don't talk about it because they don't want to scare people. But in their back pocket, what they're thinking, if worse comes to worse, I can just end it all. And so they're attached to that because suicide or death understands and feels their pain. So surgical empathy is going inside the dark night of the soul where they're feeling that pain and you're right next to them in it. And when people feel less alone in suffering that is intolerable, it becomes pain that they can handle. So I learned to listen to people from their inside out. And one of the approaches I use as an executive coach uh, is when I run into people or people refer me people who they say, you know, we present a strategy and a plan and they smile and they nod and then they don't implement. Well, that's because there's something holding them back inside. And my approach to executive coaching is uh, to drill into what that might be that's holding them back. So if you're an entrepreneur listening to the show, let me give you an example. Every three months, I do a six-hour course for a small accelerator that's been going on for 10 years. And these are all startups who have run out of friends and family uh, angel money, and they need to get investor money. And part of the presentation I make, which seems to be a favorite for them, 
is I say to them, have you ever been with an investor and in a few minutes they're smiling and you think it's a yes? And they nod, we're on a Zoom call. And I say, and, and have you ever been with an investor who smiles and you thought it was gonna be a yes and by the end of your presentation, they're not interested. And a number of the people on the call say, I just had that happen yesterday. I said, that's because first of all, investors don't smile because it's about money. And when they're smiling after about three or four minutes, what they're covering up is it's a no, but they don't want to be rude because they see that you have put a lot of effort into a deck that's at least 15 minutes in, in many, many slides. And after a half a dozen slides, they're not interested, but in order to not be rude, they smile, but they're done with you. And I am telling you, Steve, these people in the Zoom call, they were like deers in the headlights, like, oh my God, how did you know that? And I said, well, this is where listening uh, really helps. And what you do at that point is if your experience has told you that when they smile, it's not a yes, this is exactly uh, the script you use. And you wanna be really assertive and you say, can we pause for a moment? And they're gonna feel uncomfortable. Why? Because you caught them not wanting to be rude and be finished with you. And they're gonna fumble, uh, 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 okay. And then what you say to them is when we started our conversation, we were at equal level. You're an investor who has money to give to a company. I'm a company that needs that money. And we're at a point where you have money to give to a company and I'm not gonna see any of it. And so you were listening for something and I haven't covered it. And if you can tell me what it is you were listening for, it may actually be something that we have, we just didn't put it in the deck because we thought, we thought we knew what you were looking for, but clearly we didn't get it right. So if you can tell me what it was you were looking for and we have it, I'll be happy to scrap the deck and just uh, uh, answer your questions. And by the way, I am in an accelerator. I have a cohort of 25 other companies. And if you tell me what you're looking for and I don't have it, but I know some companies that might, I would be happy to introduce you to them uh, and I can send you a little bit about them to see if you want that introduction. And I make no money from this because I, I'm, I'm in the business of having a startup. And so what you've done, Steve, is by getting, by realizing that early on that smile was not a yes, but it was a no, and they were already done with you, you have pivoted the conversation to one in which now you're focused on their success, even if it's not gonna be with you, you're in a position to introduce them to several other businesses. And if you make those introductions, those other businesses are gonna be very grateful to you and think of how they can reciprocate. Yes, and but, there's more than that. The yes. investor will be grateful to you and they may introduce you to other investors who might be a better fit. 
absolutely. So I, I'm glad that you tracked with that, Steve, and I hope listeners can track with it because that's an example of how uh, listening into what people are listening for can make a difference. So I, I'm going to demonstrate it with you, Steve. Uh, right here in real time, uh, you're listening to me and you're checking boxes thinking, uh, well, I hope he covers the material underneath the heading of listening. But underneath you listening to me and checking boxes, which is uh, polite, respectful, and transactional, you're listening for something. And tell me if I get it right. I think what you're listening for is your listeners trust you and have confidence in you that you will bring them practical value. And what you're listening for in your guests, I believe, is, is this something that my listening audience uh, will value, where it will be worth their time, which they don't have much of? You're probably also listening for guests who, even if they have a fancy book, are awful. They bring no value. And then you have to politely afterwards say, you know, I don't know that we could use the uh, the interview. That's so is exactly any of that exactly right. You know, I'm always, for me, when I do a podcast, it's not about me. It's not about the guest. It's always about the people listening. So what do they need? What can they use in their business today? And I think you made some really good points. So what you said about pitching an investor. So when we think of pitching, it's usually a one-way thing where we are doing all the talking. But I also give the advice, and I write about this in my book, when pitching investors, you should have a dialogue. You should spend at least half the time listening to them. Because as you pointed out, if you are answering questions they have, they are suddenly engaged. They, their brain turns on. You know, when people, uh, when people ask a question, then they really listen to the answer. If you just give a, a, you know, a 20 or 30 minute pitch without without stopping, you know, most of the stuff in that pitch might not even be relevant, might not be the key things that they need to make a decision. And one thing I wanted to add to your advice is you should also ask them what they didn't like about your business, because there may be things that investors, you know, you may be getting a lot of passes uh, and you might not know why investors are passing, why they're getting that smile that they're not interested. But if you can tell them, you know, you came into the pitch, apparently you were interested in this business because you took the pitch, what changed your mind? I think that's a really uh, additional question that entrepreneurs should think of. I, I, I think that is absolutely wonderful. And, uh, and it will help you refine your future pitches. So you can approach every pitch with, uh, I'm either going to be successful in getting money I'm going to be successful in learning a lesson uh, that I'll probably learn because it'll be slightly painful. So I think that is great. You're also bringing something else up. So if you're listening in right now, you might want to write this down. Uh, and because Steve is doing it right now in real time with me, uh, what most people are listening for from you. There's four things. Uh, they want it to be relevant to them. They want you to be clear. They want you to be concise. And the fourth thing is they want that whatever 
you bring up is actually doable, is actually realistic. You know, the difference between reasonable and realistic is reasonable is that makes sense. Well, that's good. That makes sense. Realistic is what's likely to happen. So write that down to really crisp up your presentations. Also, by the way, one of the things that can help you in your relationships with your people, and you can give an announcement to your whole company, it may be small, but as it grows, you can say, I just came up with a formula for managing up with me. And if you do this, uh, it, uh, it will uh, be, it, it may lead to something favorable in your performance review. Yes, you when just you... gave the best advice there, the four pillars of doing a great investor pitch, pitching investors, doing great meetings one-on-one -on -one with your team members and doing sales. It works for all of them. If people know they should be good listeners, which a lot of us do, why don't we do it? What's holding us back? Well, what's holding us back is, uh, and I learned this when my book, Just Listen, came out, I was on a NPR show with this great career coach, Marty Nemko. And he and I have become friends, probably because he pointed this out to me. After he talked to me about my book, he said, Mark, I got to tell you, you're an awful listener. <laughs> and he said, you might want to follow the traffic light rule. And he said, the traffic light rule is that when you're in a regular conversation, which is different than a pitch, but if you're in a regular conversation with people, you've got 20 seconds before the green light turns to yellow. And then... Uh, when it's yellow, the other person's getting restless, and you have another 20 seconds uh, before the yellow turns to red. And in 40 seconds, if you're still talking in a conversation that's supposed to be back and forth, you've worn out your welcome. And I'll tell you, this was my first blog at Harvard Business Review, I think in 2015, which was how to know if you're talking too much. It had more views than any other thing at Harvard Business Review online for that week. That's great. And I know Marty. I've had him on the show. And that sounds just like him. <laughs> so perfect. I have another question for you. So you say that Elon Musk and Steve Jobs were amazing listeners. But, you know, we usually think of those guys as nonstop talkers. You know, they're always talking. They, they, they're always the center of attention. What do you mean by that? Well, uh, I think even Elon Musk's uh, brother said this about him, uh, that uh, I, I guess you can, uh, I'll bet they would chuckle and they would both agree with this. And Steve Jobs would say he'd agree with it from the grave. What they both say is, you know, I love mankind. I can't stand people. Meaning they have a way of listening into the future. They have a way, they're, they're visionaries, they're, they have a way of listening beyond the horizon. And when I talk to people, and this may be relevant to your audience about how to be a visionary thinker, visionary thinkers see the unknown as an adventure to be lived, whereas non-visionary people see the unknown as a danger to be avoided. And one of the things that uh, Elon Musk and Steve Jobs had in common and most successful visionaries have in common is they have the capacity to go from divergent thinking to convergent thinking seamlessly. So divergent thinking means just 
being as one of my mentors, Warren Bennis used to say, they're first class noticers. They can notice stuff that nobody else sees. And in fact, one of the reasons that they both enjoy drugs and psychedelics is because they're such control freaks that when uh, uh, they needed some help to be more divergent in their thinking, you know, take a little psychedelic here and there and it'll make you really divergent. But, uh, they, but they always had the confidence that after they would be divergent in their thinking and their view of life, it would spontaneously cross over into being convergent into a product or service. That's, so, that's really insightful. And another thing, I know people have worked for Elon Musk and Steve Jobs, and they told me they always ask questions. Like whenever, whenever they were in a meeting, those guys would fire off question after question after question after question. So they were listening. They weren't just talking. They were like information gathering machines. That's, that's kind of their modus operandi. Well, you know, it's a lot. I had Tim Brown, uh, the chair of IDEO on my podcast, My Wake Up Call. And uh, people don't know, one of the ways that IDEO works, which is the great design company in Silicon Valley that work closely with Apple, is what they basically do is they, they have uh, computer scientists, sociologists, psychologists, all kinds of people. And they basically say, go out in the world and notice Notice what is frustrating people and find out what, what is really getting to them. What's really making them angry, you know, and then come back and we can come up with a solution or go out and notice what seems to be making people happy and be curious and go up to them and, and say, I, I couldn't help but notice, but you know, you really, you're just smiling as you're, you know, as you're walking around this supermarket, what do you like about this supermarket? And then come back and then they would have all these different specialties come back and uh, with their divergent reports, and then they would convergently have the sum total uh, turn into a design. And that's, that what is, that's what design thinking is. You know, yeah, that's stage. what design thinking is. And I know people at IDEO too, and that's exactly right. Before we wrap up, because we're almost out of time, I want to ask you one last question. What is a single tip that you can give to our entrepreneurs that can help them improve their listening right now. Okay, so here's a single tip. Uh, it's an exercise, so get to, you're gonna write this down. It's called the HUVA exercise, H-U-V-A. And every day, think of one conversation in which you really want to be more present from the other person's point of view. So you go into the conversation with the intention of really doing a great job of being present and listening as opposed to being all about you. And what HUVA stands for is after the conversation, you, you put yourself in their shoes and you rate yourself from their point of view according to HUVA. So H is on a scale of one to 10, how much should they feel you heard them out as opposed to interrupting them, changing the subject? U is how much on a scale of one to 10 did they feel you understood them uh, and you show understanding by saying, can you say a little bit more about the amazing or the awful? So you're, you're digging down. V is how much on a scale of one to 10, did they feel you value what they had to say? Did you, did you dig in, have them elaborate even more, uh, show interest in it as opposed to changing the subject? And the final 
A is on a scale of one to 10, how much do they feel you added value? So you've, you've done a great job today of uh, demonstrating Hoova, Steve, because you took some of what I've said, you heard it, you understood it, you valued it, and you added it by, by showing additional applications of what we're talking about in your, uh, in your audience's lives. Thank you. Mark, it has been fantastic having you on the show. Can you tell our entrepreneurs how they can get a hold of you? Well, my website's pretty current, uh, markgoulston.com. I have a podcast called My Wake Up Call, and Steve was a wonderful guest, so make sure you listen to his episode, mywakeupcall.com. It's in the top 1% of all podcasts. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you liked it, hit the subscribe button and share it with your friends. You can help us create more great content by subscribing and sharing. Also, if you want to access our online startup program, our investor network, and our entrepreneur resources, just come to founderspace.com.